Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Now let's start the show. show. Step out of the cold, cold. We come from the cold, cold, to the top of the globe, globe. The pips and the hoes, hoes, the folks and the stones, stones. Whoever you ride for, we back for some more. Get back to the show, show, you know. Train Your Dragon set or some replicas of the helmets that were worn in the animated film. 
which Travis and I conducted the entire interview wearing these Viking helmets. Now, as a rule, you know, I'm not the prop guy. I'm not going to try to put a lot of props into what it is that we're doing. But I thought that uh, those those helmets were kind of cool. Uh, <laughs> we put them on. Of course, I felt ridiculous. And, and in watching it afterwards, it looked ridiculous. But, hey, sometimes you got to take a walk on the wild side, and we did indeed. Um, we had a chance, as I said, to sit down and talk with him. And it was very interesting getting his, uh, his feedback uh, as it related to uh, our city, the surroundings, the work that he had been, you know, the, the, the reviews that he had read in advance as it relates to his film. The first one was very well received. The second one we're going to review on our show tomorrow as well as feature uh, the lead villain in the film, Mr. Jaiman Hansu, will be tomorrow's guest also uh, from How to Train Your Dragon 2. But without any further ado, uh, here is Travis Hobson and I <laughs> sitting down with the Canadian mastermind behind what I think is probably one of the best animated franchises that exist in Hollywood right now. And this is uh, director, writer-director Dean DeBlaas from How to Train Your Dragon 2. We are sitting here with the director of what I think is one of my favorite films of the summer. I haven't talked to him yet, so I don't know what he thinks about it. It is director Dean Deblois. Thank you, sir. See, I started to say it. I just Deblois. Yeah, yeah. Canadian. Very Canadian. Right, right. Yeah. Well, sir. Well, sir, first of all, as I said, I think you have made an amazing film. I liked the first one. I really was kind of caught off guard with the second one. Talk about the evolution of the story and this world that you've created that so many people have fallen in love with. Sure. Well, um, part, of, part of the concept of the second installment of a trilogy, we wanted to pick up five years later. And so this way we're not repeating Hiccup's problem of the first movie. You know, he ended up getting everything he wanted. Like he, he wanted his father's respect and his town's admiration and the girl that he was pining for and he even got a super cool dragon out of it so he was he was a, a character whose flaws were handily repaired in the first film right. and now by meeting him at a, at a, as a 20 year old he's at a different crossroads in his life he's kind of feeling as though he's not really cut out to succeed his father as chief and there might be something more for him out there it's, it's expressed by him mapping the world and being on the edges of the viking map and finding new lands new dragons new people and that's what begins an adventure where he's not only drawn into a conflict of a, a conqueror who's trying to amass a dragon army, but also the vigilante who's protecting the dragons. It turns out to be his mother. Uh, talk to me, it's interesting you mentioned that because uh, Hiccup is, is literally out there like expanding you know, the world he knows. And this movie to me is, to, is so much bigger than the first film. Talk to me about your, your ideas, your because your, this is planned out as a trilogy. Mm -hmm. Probably how you, you came about expanding this second film. Sure. Well, I mean, the, the, the prospect of a sequel is really daunting and uh, because there are so many really disappointing ones that retread yeah. the same material. So looking back at sequels that worked, for me, The Empire Strikes Back was the yeah. best of the bunch. And I saw that when I was 10. I was already a huge Star Wars fan, but it managed to take everything I loved about that first film and expand it in every direction. Stakes got bigger, the world got bigger, new characters, cool gadgets, it was funnier, the characters were richer. And so we kind of held that as 
you know, a lofty goal yeah. to try to aspire to that tone. And uh, that's what we did. So new lands and, and new characters and hiccups kind of introduced in a cool new flight suit. It's got all sorts of gadgets that he uses to map the world. And, and uh, I think it, it becomes aspirational in this larger scope, I hope. Now, you did a good job in this film of battling what I call dueling tones, where, you, where there's a tone that's really light and it's kind of funny, and then you also have some darker, more serious things that are happening. Now, when you were writing the screenplay and putting this together, how did, because you, you actually really executed it quite well, but did it come across as well as you thought it should, and talk a little bit about that process as well? Well, I think the tone was always an issue. We knew we had to kind of stay loyal to the first film, and that was always what kept us in check. Like, if it felt like it was getting too heavy or too much of a war movie and there wasn't enough humor and not enough heart, uh, we would always, then we would sort of shift emphasis to those areas. But it's easy to get gratuitous when you're dealing with a battle with thousands of people and dragons, and, and uh, we kept having to pull ourselves back and say, okay, this isn't Lord of the Rings, it's got a different tone. But at the same time, you know, it, it steps into some of that territory as well. It does become a big action flick in places. We just felt we had to earn both, you know. So we would go from a tender moment, you know, where characters are really connecting uh, to something that had huge breadth and also try to keep the humor running throughout and keep it character-focused. How much does the did the television series factor in it, or did it at all? Because I know, you know, you got some involvement in that, and Jay Baruchel is involved in that as well. How much did that factor into your uh, your plans for this film and the next one? Well, the TV show was, was definitely instrumental because they explored the first couple of years after dragons were, you know, brought into Burke, and so they're, they're dealing with the trials and tribulations of living with dragons and a lot of that kind of domestic storytelling. It allowed us to jump into the future, and now that that's, you know, Burke is a dragon utopia, we can go beyond that into uncharted lands. Right. Uh, I would sit down with the showrunners of the TV show every, every few months, and we'd have dinner, and we'd talk about what, what they were doing and what we were doing, just to make sure we weren't stepping on each other's toes mm -hmm. or retreading the same material. And, and certainly not spoiling each other's surprises. Yeah. Now, one of the things that I loved about not just this movie, but the first one as you, you continue the series, is that the, the, the dynamic that you have between Hiccup and his father in this film. And for it to be an animated film, you're bringing emotions that people would feel kind of in a live action film. What is the, what, what is the basis of that? Is that something that is from your own life or just something that you kind of observed? Yeah, it is. I think it's truthful, right? We're, right? we're always in pursuit of truth, and I think that animation unfairly has this stigma of being just for kids. Right. I think it's a powerful medium, and, and it can go places that live-action movies can't go. Uh, I, so I think that without excluding the kids, we're trying to tell a story that appeals to the adults and the audience just as much. And I always find it strange anyway to try to second-guess any demographic. Like, I'm not a seven-year-old anymore. I shouldn't be trying to you know, plan for a seven-year-old's reaction. I just make the movie I want to see, and luckily I'm a big kid, and I remember the kind of movies I loved when I was a kid. Uh, but, you know, there are, there are some, I, I think, sort of bold and daring things about the movie, that kind of carrying on from Hiccup losing his leg in the first movie, set a standard, which I, I hope at the end of the day, when we complete the trilogy, that, that it'll stand out from a lot of animated fare as being, you know, something that had some daring to it, 
also a lot of heart. Yeah. But it does come. It does come from experiences as well. You know, I lost my dad when I was a kid, and so I, I always saw him as a hero, and so you know, we, we definitely love the idea of, of portraying Stoic as this heroic guy who you know, was, would give up anything for his son and the people he loves. Talk to me a little bit about the uh, the dragon design, because there are a lot of, of additional dragons in this movie. I mean, there are a ton of dragons in the first one, even more this time. Talk to me a little bit about how you come up with the, the designs for all of these all these creatures, because they, they all look fantastic. Well, a lot of the designs for the dragons are actually based upon animals that we, we kind of study and reference in the animal kingdom. And part the reason for that was that there are plenty of dragon movies where the dragons talk or they're, they're magical creatures. And we wanted to create the impression that there was a time on this planet in our history where dragons roamed the earth. Mm -hmm. So we use references like a big, grumpy, loud walrus as, as the main model for, say, Gobber's Dragon Grump. Or uh, Toothless is, a, is based on a black panther mixed with a salamander. You know, mm -hmm. so he's, got, he's got a lot more mammalian uh, qualities yeah. than reptilian. Um, whereas Astrid's Dragon Stormfly is based on a parrot and has very bird-like curiosity and movement. So the more, the more we study actual animals, the more personality and individuality come, that actually comes out of the dragon. Did you ever think of, of maybe this is for the third movie, I don't know, are you going to bring any more Night Furies? Or is there's, uh, it's a common yeah. question. Uh, yeah. I, I think, you know, is, is Toothless the last of his kind? And yeah. Will there be others? Uh, you know, I'm not going to spoil yeah, that, but spoil it, that. it's a question that's out there, and <laughs> I, I think we'll continue to keep I, it in mind. <laughs> I'm going to ask you, how did you avoid the dreaded sophomore jinx? Because when you're doing these trilogies, we normally have a, a strong first and a strong last movie, but the second one kind of lagged. You've kind of done it in reverse. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, I, I, none of us wanted to work on a disappointment, and I think that these movies take three years, so if we're going to invest the time and energy into it, we want to make sure that we keep each other honest and make sure that it lives up to the first, if not surpasses it. And that's for the world to decide whether or not they like it as much as, as that first one. Or they will. <laughs> <laughs> but we did our you best. See the <laughs> right. I, I can't believe we actually. This is the first time I think I've ever done done an interview with a prop. <laughs> I'm, I'm with this helmet on, but it fits in the two. It fits in the tone of what we do with our show. It's like very it. zany. I like it. <laughs> well, I mean, to me, the first Hunter Turn Your Dragon was, was kind of came out of nowhere. I think I think that probably surprised a lot of people. Uh, you know, because most most of the time people were thinking, you know, Pixar, 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 and Hunter Turn Your Dragon came out of nowhere, and a lot of people were like, wow, this is just as good as anything they've ever done. Did, did that Thank surprise you. you as well? And have you been, you know, kind of increasingly surprised? by how much people are anticipating this movie? Yeah, I've never been part of a phenomenon like this. And I've, I've ne we've never had um, a fan base anticipation for a specific movie before. I, I've only ever worked on original movies even when I was at Disney. Or at least, like in the case of Mulan, a movie that was based on a little-known legend. Uh, so there's, there's always anticipation for something new, but it's different when there's actually a fervent fan base yeah. that is dreading the sequel because they think we're going to mess it up. <laughs> so, um, it, it's, it's inspiring and we didn't see it coming. Chris Sanders and I, when we joined the first movie, we were brought in as the third set of directors and they had been through two years of the three-year production pipeline um, trying to make a very faithful adaptation to the book on which it's based. And 
uh, we were brought in and they just said, look, depart from the narrative of the book. We need a big fantasy adventure movie that takes place in a world of Vikings and dragons. And you're going to have a character named Hiccup and Stoic and Toothless. Go. And it was, uh, it was very clear to us what we had to do, which was make a father-son story with a big David and Goliath ending and a Harry Potter tone. You know, that was kind of the, yeah. the mix of things they wanted. And other than that, we were, we were told... Yeah, well, we were told just you had 14 months before we released this movie, which is wow. crazy in animation yeah. terms. But we had to start with a page one rewrite and just go. <laughs> <laughs> so we were surprised as anyone when it when it was um, well embraced. All right, so I know you already have the story for three mapped out. You can't really share a lot of details <laughs> with us. Can you tell our audience anything about three? And yeah. it, will it continue the common theme that you discussed earlier about loss, loss of leg? other loss that happens in this film, will there be further loss or are you going to bring it on home? That's, I suppose that's the biggest ambition of all. Uh, Cressida Cowell, who has now written, she's on her 12th book and that's going to be the last one, told us when she was visiting the studio a couple of years back that she plans on explaining what happened to dragons and why they aren't here anymore. Mm-hmm. And I, I was really inspired by that idea because um, you know that, that really completes the story to have history returned to the way we know it, but for a period of time dragons existed and where did they go and what happened? Uh, but, you know, Hiccup will become the Viking chief, the wise Viking chief that his father anticipated he would be in, and he will learn to stand on his own, but he'll have to make a decision at some point. But it's going mm-hmm. to be bittersweet and powerful and mm-hmm. hopefully really emotional and satisfying. <laughs> it sounds like you've got enough material for a fourth movie. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah, because if it makes enough money, will you <laughs> Will you make the fourth one? Uh, you know, th- we were in Cannes, and uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg <laughs> dropped that on me in the middle of a press conference. <laughs> you know, maybe there's a fourth movie. I don't know. I'm, I'm still mapping it out, yeah. so we'll, we'll see mm-hmm. what the yeah. and what the material is that, is actually that, lends itself. Is that read between the lines like if they give me enough money? <laughs> <laughs> it's fun to spend time in this, but you know, by the end of it, it'll be a decade. And I, I think uh, I'd love to be a prolific director that's worked in a lot of right different story genres and, and mediums and uh, we may be all well sick of dragons by then. <laughs> well, I think that's about uh, all the time we got. Uh, it's been fantastic talking to you. Thank you very much. Uh, Likewise. About How to Train Your Dragon 2. Uh, the movie comes out next Friday. Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th. Well, well, yeah. Good luck for you. Well, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> Good luck for you. <laughs> but, uh, but thanks again for talking to us. Of and, course. Uh, Dean, thank you, man. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thanks, man. Yeah. It's great.
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.